Good evening, Kate. Good evening, Molly. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. Bit sleepy, but yeah. good. Ready um, for this podcast to kind of revive me. <laughs> <laughs> which is so kind of ironic for what we're doing this week, which is modern pressures that come with the need of being productive. And mm-hmm. the idea of us making a podcast in our spare time and that revitalizing us. Maybe it shows how we feed into this, how productivity makes us feel better about life. (laughs) Well, considering that this was a, uh, like a project that came out of trying to be productive during lockdown, I feel like, as in this podcast was that project, I feel like (laughs) it's, it's very appropriate. I think that is something that a lot of people listening will be able to attest to, like no matter what age they are. But I think obviously with millennials, and Gen Zers, Gen Zers, yeah. is that the plural? Gen Zers, Gen Zers, yeah, that's... Gen Zers, I don't Gen know, <laughs> Gen Zs. Uh, what are we talking about? <laughs> okay, I'm gonna just. What are we saying? Down half this coffee to make my brain work better. What you, you're drinking this week, Kate? You're drinking coffee. Yeah, which is very hot, and I regret taking that big sip. No. <laughs> wow. It's also like six in the evening, so drinking coffee yeah. now is a mistake. <laughs> I live life now. on the edge, you know, and that's just the adrenaline junkie I am. <laughs> what are you drinking, Molly? Um, well, I actually have a bit of a special drink this week. So Ooh. I've just been out to see a friend and we went to this lovely, it's a chocolate shop called Rumsey's, big up Rumsey's. And they do a house hot chocolate, which is like an espresso sized cup of pretty much molten chocolate. And I didn't finish it because it was really rich. So I've got that with me right now. Wait a minute. You have other friends other than me. I, what? I, I can explain. <laughs> Where are we going? That <laughs> what was are we so doing? sad. Uh, yeah, Kay, I do know, Jace. <laughs> That's um, the amount of attention I need. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I've got a special hot chocolate, but also like my bottle of water because it's so rich that if you take like a drop of it, you need to have like a whole glass of water. I went for a run this morning with my friend who, and my other friend. Oh my God, you're so <laughs> good We get it, Molly. You're well, popular. it's actually Alice who's been on the, on our podcast. Oh, so, yeah. you know, we basically went for like a quite a good run. And I feel like now I can like treat myself with everything ever because <laughs> I'm like, well, I, ra- I went for a run this morning. Therefore, I'm technically like, an athlete. So yeah. <laughs> really? therefore food will not stay on my body. Yeah, I will really need to increase just burn my calorie uptake because I'm an athlete and I just burn through things. <laughs> therefore, let's drink some molten chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on to the topic. Yeah, I don't know how we got there. Well, yeah. how did we get, oh, it's our drinks, I guess. I was like, <laughs> what did we, how did I get to say how I was going for a run? get here? Um, yeah, so this week we were talking about the pressures that come with needing to be productive, uh, the modern pressures. So that can be influenced from, well, I think in, we're talking about being modern, it's things like social media and the constant access with the internet these days where you can, these days, I talk as if we're like, <laughs> back in my day when the internet didn't exist and you didn't have to have these pressures but no as in like that there were different pressures different pressures back then I imagine because we are young and don't know I mean I, I felt no pressure for being productive when I was on Bebo but now on <laughs> yeah. Instagram it's back on MSN pressure. actually yeah. no MSN was I mean there was I mean, you had to be pressure. on it all the time after school 
I can yeah. remember for a bit, me, I have five siblings and we had one computer at one point. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And can you imagine like five five adolescents, well six adolescents, all needing to be on MSN at certain times after school with one computer? Now that yeah, was warfare. I used to think I, I had it bad when my brother would fight me to play on RuneScape. I played RuneScape. Yeah. <laughs> my first boyfriend asked me out by proposing to me on with a ring on. RuneScape. Oh my god! Can I just say there are two different like polar opposites here. You say that about your boyfriend, but I basically made a RuneScape because I fancied a boy in my class, <laughs> and he played RuneScape. <laughs> <laughs> that was the way to do it. Anyway, off topic again. God, this is what happens when we record in the evening. It's just like, what? what? Um, Anyway, so yeah, there are lots of different pressures. uh, These days, there are lots of different pressures from social media um, to be productive because things like Instagram are essentially a way to exhibit your own life and what you do. And that is also coming from Snapchat as well. These two apps where you can essentially document what you do 24 hours a day. I think both of them can have a definite impact on mental health in terms of feeling guilt for not being productive with your time and not, you know, squeezing as much as you need to into the 24 hours in a day. Yeah, I mean, the Royal Society for Public Health has named Instagram as the worst social media network for mental health and well-being. This is based on a survey from 1,500 teens and young adults who have all said that the platform contributes to high level of anxiety, depression, bullying, body image issues and FOMO, which is the fear of missing out. There's a lot of awareness about, you know, body image and stuff like that. But I think this toxic pressure towards productivity and FOMO in graduates, especially FOMO that someone else's or fear of someone else getting a job above you or working harder than you or needing to showcase that, you know, you're not affected or slowed down by, I mean, especially this pandemic. I know a lot of people on both of our social medias have been showing lots and lots of ways of being productive in in lockdown. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I felt that pressure or if that's just so ingrained into my personality now, but I do it subconsciously. Yeah, I think it's, I was, Almost, almost automatically just said, I think it's the latter. But actually, I'm not sure because we are both like in sort of day-to-day life relatively productive people in terms of we took on lots of extracurriculars alongside our studies. We kind of thrive off getting things done. So I definitely feel like there's a guilt when you haven't had um, as much of a productive day. Like I always say, oh yeah, I just love a day off. And then when I have that day off, I'm like, well, I did absolutely nothing today. And I kind of, I'm not that happy about it. And it's strange because that time is so important. And I think that I kind of get frustrated with myself if I do feel that way. It's not always, but sometimes I do. And I think, well, what? no, because that time to kind of recuperate is so important. Yet there are so many pressures online, which perhaps subconsciously are forcing us to feel this way. Yeah. Do you feel like when you're saying like we're productive people, do you feel like you do that for other people or is it for yourself? That's a good question, actually. I think it's a mixture of both because I think a lot of it, I think I do think that, you know, most actions in life are things you do for yourself, if not all really, I guess. So I would say, yes, it is for myself, but I tend to enter into things, whether it be projects or back when we were doing student TV, like productions, lots of different things where I would you know, enter into it to help other people or to do something together. So it can can be like a social thing, which is also good for being productive. So that's what I felt like Susie TV, the student TV station, 
because you were socializing and making friends, but you were also being productive because you were producing content. And so you felt like you were achieving something as well as working with other people. So it was like, a, it was sort of a win-win in all ways. I, I really enjoyed, that's why I really, really loved CCTV. One of the main reasons why I really loved CCTV because you could be having fun as well as being productive. Does um, that make sense? Did I answer your question? No, definitely. I think I've actually gained a different perspective on that since coming to lockdown, since coming back home away from university, is that I'm a relatively social person, but what makes me happiest is being productive and working towards my end goal. And I do have a tendency to, uh, yeah, I guess mentally punish myself, but that's because I want a career and I want to do well and I'm fixated by that idea, I think. You say taking a day off, like you sometimes feel guilty. I can't even make myself take a day off. So like on this podcast, I'm, I am I want to be sort of honest that maybe people who have seen my social media, if you consider that productive. But I think that the stuff that you do, yeah, for yourself, and if it's on social media, then it's still for yourself, I guess, because then it's out there for other people to see and perhaps, you know, think of you for certain projects in future. Oh yeah, and definitely. That's, that's like that's definitely yeah. the main reason I'm on social media is for the working world more than yeah for social definitely. approval or anything like that. And I think various ways that can be harmful in terms of our attitude towards productivity that don't necessarily fall within the the guidelines the way people typically think about social media. Uh, taking it from the angle of the productivity that can impact your own image because if you want people who are productive are kind of understood as being they that's that saying of if you want something done give it to a busy person and busyness and being productive kind of go hand in hand and therefore it almost brings up this idea of achieving success so if you're showing that you're productive online then people are going to look at you and think wow she's successful and then perhaps compare to themselves and say oh well I'm not doing that. I've just, you know, eaten a bag of minstrels and watched the whole Pirates of the Caribbean series, which is kind of a representation of what I did in the last week. <laughs> so, um, but like, yeah, like I, I definitely think it's kind of about getting a balance, but I think social media can be really hindering in that. And also just the ever present nature of the internet these days. And I think a lot of people don't realize how, well, I think most people do realize, but perhaps not the extent of how impacting social media can be yeah and I guess we're talking a lot about social media because in the last few months that's how we've communicated primarily with most people we know of course we've been in lockdown um due to COVID-19 and work has moved from home and we can probably predict going into the welcome world in the future that there will be a change of um, business models to include remote work a lot more because uh, the infrastructure is now in place for a lot of businesses that didn't previously have it so you, we can kind of predict that work will be taking or social interaction will be happening more through screens, even as we move into the working world as well. So it's good to just remember that everything you see on a screen, everything you see on the Internet, including Zoom calls, including texts, not just social media, but is like the tip of the iceberg that's above water and there's masses and masses of cubic meters of ice underneath. I mean, I probably should have phrased that better, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I think this particular topic is really important to look at from teenagers at the moment because they are, they're growing up in a world that has social media probably more at the forefront than we did. I think we were the kind of, the teen, the teen years that we had were 
slightly more removed from social media than they are for a lot of teens now yeah and so look reflecting on those years uh, reflecting on student experiences as well because there's so many expectations put upon you and put upon you by yourself at university and then also the pressures of being an adult and so there's actually quite an interesting buzzfeed article by Anne Helen Peterson about the millennials burnout and this is a quote from it we're spoiled entitled lazy and failures at what's come to be known as adulting a word invented by millennials as a catch-all for the tasks of self-sufficient existence expressions of adulting do often come off as privileged astonishment at the realities of well life so stuff like you know perhaps the sort of daunting nature of being an adult again is being putting pressure on yourself to become well it you know it creates this burnout which also the pressures of productivity place upon the millennials and generation zedders or whatever we call them <laughs> um, so i think it's a quite a it's quite a broad range of people i can remember reading this article when it first came out actually i think i shared it on on Facebook because I'd never really seen a term that sort of encapsulated how I was feeling before reading millennial burnout. But also there's another quote that says that we didn't try and break the system since that's not how we've been raised. We tried to win it, which I think is really interesting because we had all this new access to technology, but it was being applied to how our parents was raised. So it was sort of like turned on a moment rather than introducing technology and social media in the way schools do it now and they're educating people on social media but we sort of hit that where it got thrown on us and we were trying to win and get ahead with all these things that turned out to be quite damaging I think to it was like systematic in the way young adults at the moment us and above I think I think we're as 23 year olds on the bottom end of it but it's um people older than us as well I think it's so common now this idea of burnout in competitive productivity that you know it's something that's going to pass it's something that's systematic in how we think if everyone's feeding into that and supporting you and encouraging you by liking photos by I can get why it's it can be so destructive to people to need to constantly fulfill that to be productive so on that note I think we should introduce our guest for this week who is a fellow Southampton student and I would say is probably your level of busyness in terms of being keeping productive with all of her many projects so We'll now introduce Immy Brighty-Potts to talk about pressures in productivity. Hey, Immy. Hiya. Hello. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. A a friend's house as a child and as you leave having to be like to them, thank you for having me. I did that so much. I did that like every time I went to football training. We were raised well. (laughs) That was another kind of pressure to say thank you after doing anything as a child. And Maybe now that's where this all started. Yeah, and now it's pressure <laughs> to be productive. Stems from like politeness to productive to, God, where's it going? Who knows? Death. No, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. So, Immy, what are you drinking? I am drinking a, a coffee with almond milk because I can't drink yet because I have to drive later and I'm an adult who drinks coffee now. It's, you know what, guys? Being. It's the pressures of being, of, what is it? It's the pressures of adulting. <laughs> It's about being an adult is we need coffee to be productive, eh? Absolutely. You make me feel like a mess, Molly. (laughs) I can't be an adult, I need coffee. Um, I actually have to, I actually have to count how many coffees I have in like in a morning. I'm like, right, okay, that's my second. I think I need to like, 
hold off so I can have like a tea or something this afternoon. I'm trying to like not have too much caffeine. Otherwise I will have the 3am coffee shakes. Can you not tell by like how much you shake, sweat and feel like you're going to collapse throughout the day? Like that's Um. a normal thing. You just drink enough of it that you just feel like you're about to explode at any given time. I feel like I just feel like that that is how lockdown's going yeah isn't it that is but that's the thing is I don't think I've ever had to do that before lockdown is me being like right okay let's not go overboard on the coffee today because you it's just another thing you think about when you're stuck inside your house I feel like I've definitely been addicted to coffee at some point like can't get out of bed without a coffee sort of thing can't function without coffee and that's when I was kind of like oh just reflect on life some people <laughs> like heroin. I like coffee. I, I have friends that literally like will not drink coffee or tea for like three weeks. How do you do that? Like, how is that possible? I would like get caffeine done. is. Yeah, I definitely think it's. Well, it is a drug, isn't it? So, caffeine. Oh God, we're <laughs> so, all <drugs. laughs> Good times. <laughs> Ivy, tell us a bit about yourself. Um, so I am recently unemployed. Fun. Uh, I'm a recent Wee. uni graduate well, hopefully a graduate at some point in the not-too-distant future. Um, And I really like being busy, and I run an online platform called The Hysteria Collective, and that Mm. is kind of one of the things that makes me want to talk about hyper-productivity and mental health and all that fun stuff. How can our listeners find Hysteria Collective online? We are at www.thehysteriacollective.com and we are at The Hysteria Co on Twitter and at The Hysteria Collective on Instagram. Um, We have stuff going up all the time and it's a really fun time. We've had like a massive rush of new writers who are sharing really cool stuff. So 100% check that out. So Imi, that takes up quite a lot of your time, I guess, running that whole platform. But what sort of made you start it? Like you started it at the beginning of your third year, didn't you? So... What made you take that step? I have step? no respect for my free time. Um, <laughs> literally no respect for it whatsoever. And I was in rehearsals for a show I did up in Edinburgh last year. Um, and I've always written a lot. And I enjoy publishing with Wessex Scene and The Edge and um, empowered journalism as well. But I kind of just wanted a place where everything in my drafts could go. Yeah. Without having to like seek out someone else. And so I was like, well... The easiest solution to that is just to make a place for it to go and to make a place where, you know, people can overshare and they can get upset and they can get angry and they can write things that matter or share photos that they want to show the world and kind of a mixture of uh, a a release as well as a portfolio. So I think it's a really interesting topic that you wanted to talk about today. So do you think the Hysteria Collective is like actively trying not to put pressure on people to be productive. Yeah, so we, we run completely without deadlines unless it's for a series. Um, so we don't dish out prompts and say like, this has to be done within this time frame. You know, if a writer turns around and says, actually, I don't want to write that anymore, I'm really sorry. Like, there's no pressure. You know, we're not paying them. They're only getting publishing out of us. And they're kind of doing us a favor because they're contributing to our platform so it's a very like two-way thing so we don't want to put any extra pressure on people like if you've had a really rough few months and you've written for us we're not going to suddenly be like oh that person hasn't published with us like what because we know that everyone has their own demands in life and if they want to publish with us great you haven't written for us you're out get out of here yeah 
That'd be so Speaking sad. Speaking of which, Kate. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking that and I was I'm like, joking. love me. <laughs> you, are, you are still one that's of a really us. Good way of, um, Absolutely. That's a really good way of, like, of, of approaching it though. And I think you probably find that actually you'll have some of the best articles will be coming from people who've spent like that time on it and not had to work or be stressed with a deadline. Yeah, you know, when you're, when you're what, how old are we? Between the ages of like 18 and 25, be that through work, uni, college whatever your life is literally dictated by deadlines and results and it's structured and we don't want to be an extra pressure we want to be a place where people can um, explore their creativity and talk to other creative people and publish if they want to publish not because they feel like they should do you think then lockdown has been sort of uh, a blessing for the growth of your platform in terms of you know people having time to contribute to you and really think I mean even people's own self-development and self-assessment and being expressing that through art must be really interesting for for your platform lockdown has been well I say lockdown has been I I don't think we're in lockdown anymore at all um but like this whole period has just been crazy for us we started this period with um probably about 50 to 60 writers and contributors and a fairly like steady but low amount of social media following um, and a team of how many of us were there there were four of us um, we've ended up publishing every day since all this started um, we had our letters from lockdown series which went up every day for 70 days and that was a really really cool experience because we had different people contributing um, writing letters to anything from like um late parents to uh their local pub to their cat um to their flatmates like it was really really interesting and it kind of gave people an opportunity to go into it very free form and find a way of expressing a lot of what none of us really knew how to express because it was such an uncharted territory i know it really helped me in terms of you know keep i don't know if keeping calm because i wasn't that <laughs> stressed but you know what I mean like having something to channel my um, emotions I guess uh, was oh really God. great so thank you for that Imi that that's cool. all right I, I really didn't do much in the end it kind of ended up running itself there were just a few days where people agreed to do a letter and then suddenly be like oh no sorry I can't do that anymore and those were some very stressful few hours but we got through it <laughs> yeah I, like, I agree with Kate in that I think it's a really like positive way of channeling the different feelings and emotions that people have gone through during this period of time because we're at home I think there's so much more of a pressure to be productive in what we're doing because we're at home so you feel like you should be doing so much more and that can be whether we're unemployed and just come out of uni and feeling like we need to try and apply for all of the jobs out there even if there there are no jobs out there or um <laughs> People who are working, who uh, you know normally work a nine to five job, but find at eight pm they're still working because can't just leave the office like they would, you know, on a normal in like normal circumstances. You um, made me remember a quote I saw quite early on in lockdown from Jamila Jamil, and oh, so I'm woman. just yeah oh yeah woman. I'm just going to read it. Uh, so she said. As she tweeted, it's okay if you're not creating right now. It's okay if you're frozen slash depressed slash anxious slash lost. I keep being asked how I'm staying creative. I'm not. I'm just looking for places to donate, reading the news, eating crisps or watching old box sets. It's okay to just survive for a bit. 
such mm. a good quote yeah it's honestly what I've lived by for the whole of lockdown because I think it's so important to to have some or to kind of just acknowledge that this is a difficult time I think people think well you know I'm fine and and my family's fine so I should I should be doing you know everything as I would normally do but no that's not the case because we are living in an uncertain time our futures are not you know not how we thought they would be at the moment and so I think it's completely like completely fair enough to say yeah I'm not gonna do anything today and you know and kind of go how you feel so I said earlier that sometimes I feel guilty if I haven't done anything but you know if you it can't it doesn't have to be like it can be being productive in any way you could you know have tidied your room or you know cleaned the house or something like that I think it really just channeling if you if you feel that you have that kind of energy then channeling it into anything that makes you feel better and makes you feel productive I think is you know it can be a good thing it's kind of the line I guess though between sort of being productive and it being being like a chore on you or stuff like that if that makes sense but yeah I think that that quote is incredibly important for people to remember and to just know that it's not a time where everyone is going to be feeling super super driven to do everything they possibly can everyone's going to have highs and lows with it and so it's acknowledging that you as a person are also going to go through that and not necessarily be mega productive and mega positive about life every day yeah I guess I'm quite guilty of that going in one ear and out the other oh (laughs) you and me both yeah like I sort of mentioned in the intro that I don't know I think lockdown was a blessing for me in so many ways like I definitely needed a break well more I needed space from the attitude of uni is that you have to socialize in a certain way you have to work in a certain way when actually that's not ways that is healthy for me and so lockdown's actually given me ways to still do the same amount of work because that's what I enjoy doing and that's what I like and I mean that's what pays me to go places um so I enjoy it but it's actually given me much healthier like schedules eating schedules sleeping schedules and it's taken the social pressure off to to perform for people. And so you're really interacting over Zoom calls, which a lot of people hate, and I understand that. But for me, that's that's one hour which I have to... Perform is the wrong world, because obviously I love my friends and I love hanging out with them. But socialising is a performance for many people. I know I feel like that. But being around my family and like back in, back in the culture and stuff around here has just actually made things like studying and working a lot easier for me Does that makes sense yeah yeah completely. No, completely I think I've kind of felt a mix at the start I came home was like okay I'm going to finish my dissertation and then I'm going to start working on a novel and I'm going to use this time so productively I'm going to learn a new language I'm going to do this that and the other and I'm going to organize this fundraiser and do this And I basically wrote a list of projects in my notebook and was like, okay, well, when I've done all of these, I will have handled lockdown right and I can be happy and proud of myself. Done lockdown right is so interesting. Obviously, it's a situation that, how can you do it right? We've never dealt with this before. But in my mind, it was like, I don't know, I, I might be completely on my own in this, but I was looking at it as I am losing a month to four months of my life. 
And yeah. so I had to fill that with something to make it seem as if I wasn't losing that. Um, and, the, you know, oh, well, yeah, I lost those four months, but I did this, this and this in the meantime, so it's kind of okay. Mm. And it got to a point where I stopped and I'd run out of projects to do. And I looked around and was like, well, now what? And especially with graduation happening and not knowing what my next steps are, it's so easy to suddenly get sucked into this state where you're like, well, without uni, without societies, without these projects I'm working on, without a job, what actually am I? Yeah, um, I, I think completely the get that. crossover of lockdown and graduating has just been so challenging for that. I think, yeah, especially because you don't get that physical closure, which I think is actually yeah. really important to have. And I, I, I've kind of looked at, I've had a lot of friends because... Um, because Kate and I are slightly older, most of my friends have already graduated. So like from home. So when I'm so when I'm talking to them about it, they're saying, oh, you know, you've, you've lost out on your final year of uni. Like, well, sorry, final part of your final year at uni. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, it's fine. Like, it, I, it doesn't bother me too much. I had a great time at uni. So I don't it doesn't I've, I've risen my pretty much my whole dissertation on lockdown. And so that's really got me through it. And actually, you know, parts of uni have actually really helped me. And we did a series with CCTV, you know, the isolation series. So there was lots to so keep... So much fun. Yeah, it was fun, yeah. <laughs> There's lots to keep me busy. But then, yeah, now it's kind of all over. I am like, yeah, that sort of weird in-between moment, I think is also quite important because even though we've not had that closure in the, in the same way as every other normal final year would normally have, I think that... It's also important to have a break in between like finishing uni and starting work, which again is really murky at the moment because there's been no there's been no finite finish. But I also just think that this break is very important and to be able to recover from the sort of burnout nature that I suppose all of three of us have gone through in the last however many years. So what do you think about having that break, having that break between university and work? Do you think you would struggle to remove yourself in the current situation or do you think that that's something you want to do? I think having that break would be really good for me and I think it would be good for anyone. Like, I, I didn't take a gap year. I haven't had any time of education since I was four years old. You know, I've literally been in school for a long period. I was at boarding school, so like fully immersed in school emotionally I really need that but I'm not sure if I physically can and I think that might be something quite a lot of people feel is like oh great I finally got some time off my education and I can relax and kind of find what I want to do but in this climate it doesn't feel relaxed at all because you are constantly seeing the news about how we're dipping into another recession about how unemployment's rising and you're sat there like damn what am I going to do with my philosophy degree like no one's going to want that And so even when you're taking a break and you know that that's good for you in the long run, you feel like you should be doing something to at least keep treading water. Especially going from such a fast paced lifestyle that some uni students have, like we we have had, to then go into a break, which again is obviously recognised as being quite important. But then to go back into a fast paced lifestyle when beginning work, it can be really... um, it can be really jarring to go from one extreme to the other to the other. Absolutely. And I think it's also the problem of a productive lifestyle is not always a healthy lifestyle. Um, and I think when it comes to uh, mental health issues, particularly with students, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of focus on mental health manifesting in 
um, classic traits of depression, like, you know, not being able to get out of bed in the morning, drinking too much, um, just having really unhealthy lifestyle choices with food, exercise, whatever. And I think it's really easy to look at um, mental health issues manifesting in those like more typical ways. Um, but I think for a lot of uni students, it isn't actually like that. And hyper productivity is such an issue. And when all of your value and your self-worth is derived from the projects you're doing, what you're working on, and kind of the, the life you're trying to make for yourself, when suddenly that's all put on hold, and that mm. hyper-productivity can't necessarily manifest, it can become really, really difficult. I do agree, and I think, obviously I've had a slightly different experience of uni as you guys. I've been there for five years now, and I spent a year in Germany, and I'm now doing a master's degree. And most of that time, I've had a similar sort of way of living, of being super busy, of being kind of obsessed with reaching goals that I set for myself. And then once you do it, you have to make another one because you've left that one behind. So it's sort of like, what are you gonna do now? You can't do nothing because then what you got basically. So yeah. definitely, and I'm, I guess I'm quite lucky that I had the sort of wrapping up of my bachelor's degree last year and sort of graduation and so my focus isn't really on a graduation that could still be happening in December for me anyway and obviously I'm still doing my thesis so really this degree for me would have ended and I would have started employment probably before well my plan was to start employment before it even ended over the summer personally like you said with with mental health issues manifesting in hyper productivity for me I can only see the benefits of like coming home Reevaluating my life, life plan, what I want from it, um, making healthier choices. And that is like a journey that has happened over months and months now that we've been in lockdown. I, I'm just conscious that maybe people looking at my social media or Keep Busy's social media will see that as nothing has changed from before to after. But I think it's very important to acknowledge as someone who does post a lot and well that's that's my job as well to post a lot <laughs> to get jobs if you know what I mean so it can't be avoided but yeah. I think it's important to say that people that you see on social media posting or on LinkedIn posting might have gone through a whole transformation that you haven't seen on social media and that's just the front end when the back end has been under a lot of construction over the past three months also even me saying that is feeding into this idea of self-development and like forced you know fighting to the max to make ourselves time. yeah improve it all the time making ourselves better so i'm not sure how helpful that was but i just want to say i hope i don't make people feel bad with the I, way i post I on social media completely get you with that one like the number of people even before all this happened and just like in everyday uni life like if you see me around uni i'm generally in a combination of sweats and a nice top to make it look like I've cared. My hair all over the shop, my laptop in front of me and like five coffees under, probably shaking like a chihuahua. And people like say to me like, oh my God, I don't know how you do it. Like, how do you have it so together? And I'm just there like, have you seen me? Like, trust me, this is not what having it all together looks like. Um, and I think going into lockdown, like I'm posting on Hysteria every day and trying to make sure that stays running. And then there's this kind of just given that people are like, oh, well, you know, if you're managing to run Hysteria, like, you must have it together. And that absolutely not, is not the case. But when Hysteria is currently, like, my main gig, I'm paid, don't get me wrong, <laughs> but still my main gig, like, of course I'm going to keep that going because if I, if I don't, like, now I'm very lucky to have a team that will. But just because someone on, in, even in, like, day-to-day -day life seems like they have it together and you know they've got their side hustle and they're productive and 
I don't know, like, they've got their tan and their highlights done. That does not mean they're doing great. <laughs> yeah, I can sympathise with that as well. Being CCTV station manager, people would be like, oh, like, you're fine. You you know, you, you're, you've organised this and you've done that and you're fine, you're doing okay. And I think people underestimate how much pressure you can be put under, but also you can put on yourself in order to try and meet these sort of productivity goals that come yeah. with a role, for example, whether that be, you know, the sort of the, the founder being editor of the Hysteria Collective or being station manager for TV or the uh, president of VSN. There are so many different things that are so many responsibilities that enable this pressure to be able to be productive, to fulfill all of the all of the different goals. And then that kind of comes off to people as being like, yeah, well, you're, you're doing fine. And you're like, yeah, oh, yeah but I'm working so hard <laughs> to be doing fine with alongside everything else that's going on, whether that be like the degree or jobs and, you know, everything like that. The word that really, really winds me up is this whole like, oh, you're thriving. <laughs> oh, my God, if I have one per- more person just say to me like, oh, no, but you seem to be thriving. Like, no, this whole like surviving versus thriving discourse that seems to be a thing now. I'm so over it. Like just because someone is like being productive and putting articles out or putting videos out or active on social media like that does not mean they are quote unquote thriving at all but yeah we sort of mentioned as well that people they have a certain attitude towards millennials and a certain attitude towards gen z's but i think and they're like oh they behave like this but they're not willing to acknowledge you know their systematic infrastructure within education within technology within social media that has caused these sort of mind frame, well, it's generational mind frame shifts towards productivity or towards the pressure of feeling productive. Even if a lot of the time you're not being productive, you're just performatively being productive. And I don't know what you think about, see, it frustrates me when people are like, students are lazy or millennials don't know what working hard is. And it's like, just because all of my work comes out of the laptop in front of me, doesn't mean it's not draining and it's not it's not killing me inside no I'm joking, but it's not you know what I mean just because it comes from a laptop rather than shoveling tarmac or something not adding my family at all yeah. but they have said that <laughs> there's an article that I found saying why we need to stop saying being an adult is hard and I'm like well that I don't I and then it's kind of yeah I kind of don't I don't like I don't like that that headline because I think it why would you diminish and it's kind of saying saying there are many things that are hard it's hard to be in poverty it's hard to have your heart broken it's like it it's hard to follow your dreams it's saying all of this stuff and that that the lot of that is actually also part of life for a lot of people so why I don't think that's necessary to say, you know, I don't think it's necessary to say that it's not, it's like we, we can't say it's hard being an adult because that's a daunting concept for a lot of young people, adulting and moving out and, you know, having to juggle so many different things. So don't kind of, I was going to swear, I'm not going to swear. Don't, you know, make young people feel guilty about feeling that. I just don't like it. No, I completely get that. And I think generationally, what being an adult is actually changes yeah like what being an adult is for i don't know my cousins who graduated 10 years ago is very different to what being an adult is for me now compared to being an adult for my parents generation it all is completely relative and i firmly believe that we as a generation 
are completely like I hate to say this phrase because it's so gross but we are like the side hustle generation where everything is so uncertain be that employment be that housing living in a renter's economy living in a renter's economy so we have to have our fingers in so many pies pardon the phrase (laughs) and at what point do you actually sit back and go oh yeah I'm an adult because I don't think you ever truly do yeah definitely I think even saying adulting is the same for everyone I mean I can no way compare my port system compared to like a care leaver's support system so if I, someone comes up to me and says adulting's hard or I'm struggling, I don't want to sh- shut them down from expressing their feelings by saying, oh, that's what everyone says nowadays and just diminishing it, when really yeah. you don't know people that well. And I think already there's such an attitude to not express what you're feeling and to hide behind social media or hide behind productivity. And what, how is that reinforcing to our generation? And well, yeah, there's 10 years between me and my oldest brother. And I know that we've had very, we've ended up in similar jobs, but we've had very different upbringings in terms of social media and stuff. And when he was doing it, it seemed ridiculous. But when I'm doing it, it's encouraged. And that's within one family and one set of siblings. So even the negative connotations in working in photography or film compared to 10 years ago when he was doing it to when I'm doing it and Mm. what that's left him with in terms of his self-worth and his productivity compared to me. And even just, but again, that's just a case of being like shutting down a dialogue, which is always rubbish, isn't it? Gosh. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's also, it's all it's all relative. Like that's why I don't. That's another reason why I don't like that article is because you can't group everyone together and be like, no one can say life is hard because that's just ridiculous, and everyone goes through their own struggles with different different parts of life and have different experiences that may impact that. So I just think that, and I completely agree with you, Kate, I think that, I think people need to understand that times are changing and our generation is going through something very different to perhaps the older generations or the younger generations. I don't know, it depends, I suppose, how this pans out, but it's just acknowledging the fact, and I'm not saying, oh, we're so hard done by and all this kind of stuff, but (laughs) you know, we're going through a pretty crap time considering, you know, we're, we're looking for employment at a time which is almost non-existent. And so people do need to appreciate that that is going to be difficult for, for probably some people more than others. And again, like I say, it's all relative. It's just, yeah, that's kind of the point, really. I think it is all relative. And I think people should understand that some people are going to find it harder than others or for different reasons. And so I think that there should be less telling people how they should feel or how they should approach certain areas when it comes to adulting for sure and it's kind of that whole thing of you know gen z are lazy oh my god like it was so much harder in my day we had to walk uphill both ways to school like i get that (laughs) each generation faces like its issues our generation because we have like this whole you know you guys have it so easy nowadays like your generation's so lazy even the whole like oh gen z is so rude I've worked in hospitality for four years and no one has ever been ruder to me than a 50-year-old woman angry about her fish and chips. Like, Mm. there's this monumental pressure to prove that you're not that sort of, like, Gen Zer. And there is no sort of Gen Zer. Like, we all are facing a lot of different pressures to those of our parents. Yeah, and I think also because people have been empowered by technology and by social media, and it moves so fast that with each new platform, it's a different type 
of empowerment, like with the activism that we've seen coming from, from TikTok and from Instagram and, you know what I mean, that sort of gives voice to people. So people think it's rude when actually we're just engaging with discussions that they didn't have a platform to feel like they could tackle when they were their age, our age or whatever. I mean, they're talking about older people, but even people our age from either the difference between people who've gone to university or haven't gone to university sometimes baffles me and the way they can treat you because you've gone to university. I don't know if anyone else experienced that. It's just up here. But yeah, I, get, I understand. Yeah. I understand yeah. Just the speed at which things change is what gets me because you can make a coping mechanism for something that in four months is out of date. If you think of what we've gone through in lockdown, I mean, we had Tiger King, normal people. I mean, there was a loo roll epidemic in there at some point. And then- Banana you know, bread. Banana bread. Banana bread, And yeah. then there was the protest time and just every second there'd be something else to adjust to. And I feel yeah, like completely. it's just been a concentrated version of what we've been doing for the majority of our young adult lives is just the platform changing underneath us and having to go in a different direction than another direction and having to be adaptable and quickly. Otherwise, you feel like it's swallowing you up. So I don't know, Amy, if you want to share any sort of, or if you even agree with that, but any tactics that you might have in coping with that. I do and I don't. I am my own worst enemy. Like, I am always preaching to people being like, you know, take some time off, like, do what you need to do for you. As soon as I need to take some time off and do what I need to do for me, I'm like, how dare you, you don't have the time to be doing this. So, like, please take everything I say with a massive pinch of salt, because I'm Do as still... I say, not as I do. I was going to say, though, but that is low-key relatable to oh, yeah, <laughs> what absolutely. you just said. Yeah. <laughs> when my friends come to me for advice, I'm just like, this is 100% what you should do, hun. And then proceed to do exactly the opposite of what I've just said. Um, <laughs> that is literally me as well. <sighs> for me, I've over lockdown, I've really struggled with keeping on top of like my brain doing weird things and me just going with it and being like, I know the way to cope with this. It's to start five projects. And so <laughs> I've kind of been trying to force myself to have downtime. It's not going great, but I do sit and have two mini tubs of Hagen dazs a night and watch TV with my parents. That may not be that big of a deal, but it's that or like sitting at my laptop, refreshing my emails 50 times going, why will no one hire me? Social media can be the worst and the best, but I'm very much an advocate of keeping it real on social media. Like unfollow people who make you feel bad. Like I don't care if you're friends with them in primary school and you enjoy stalking their Instagram. It is not healthy. Unfollow them uh, if they're making you feel awful about your life. And if you, feel like you're posting loads of stuff that really contradicts your views just be honest for five minutes because someone somewhere will message you and be like thank you I needed that today and you might need that today as well like just to be real with yourself for a minute and to kind of drop the persona um also please drink decaf coffee at some point because (laughs) I I need that one Molly my thing is really like go by what you you feel like you have to do um it's so Mm. tempting to go on pinterest and be like and google ways to cope with this and the way you should be living and a schedule perfect schedule to be successful i mean i say that and that's because i literally pinterest that on a daily basis like help me but (laughs) i think i may need to follow you on pinterest kate oh my god i I actually have loads of followers on Pinterest. I don't know how, because I've never tried to get followers, but I'm it's, it's a humble brag. I spend so yeah. much time. Like that is my main way to waste time is on Pinterest because it stops me online shopping. 
it because I just save pins to my fashion board. Oh my god, follow me. I love it so much. <laughs> but um yeah, sorry what I was saying is like it's so tempting to get swept up, but I think the best thing you can literally do, even if some people think something's toxic, if you know for you that packing your schedule every day gets you out of bread because you've been feeling depressed, then do that. And don't feel judged if people are like, it's lockdown, you men have free time, come do this with us, come do that. And you're like, no, actually, I'd rather, I'd rather work. Um, yeah. Because that's the way I process emotions and process feeling stressed about my situation or not getting a job. That's my big learn. Don't feel social pressure to socialise because I'm getting boring and I know I am, but I quite like it. I, um, I completely get that. And it's having to remind people that, you know, just because it does seem great, they're still coping mechanisms, they're just of a different kind. And mm. a coping me- mechanism can only work for so long. So, like, whether there's a pandemic going on or not, like, if you feel like your productivity is unhealthy or if you're sleeping too much or you are really struggling, like, do reach out and get some help, though, because there is only so much, like, a few to-do lists and, I don't know, checking LinkedIn every few hours can do for your brain. Like, if you've got a mate who's gone from drinking a lot and being off the rails and being the life and soul of every party to suddenly being the most productive person you know, chances are they do need some help. Like, please, I am the biggest advocate of therapy. You do not have to be at rock bottom to get therapy. And now is as good a time as any to get your head together. I do. I, I, think, I think it's really important that you said that. And I think, I think one thing that I would say is that I think that there's such an, especially at times like this, it's just important to absolutely listen to what you want to do. And if if you find that the pressures of social media are having an impact, then remove yourself, even if it's just for a day or like a week. Just don't, yeah, don't feed into things that are going to ha- have a negative impact or if you're noticing they're having a negative impact. And find something therapeutic like knitting or journaling or even if it's just binge watching, like Jamila Jamil said, binge watching an old box set, like anything like that, that is absolutely okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, Amy, I just wanted to, this might be a really stupid question, but go for your life. How, how do you actually get therapy? Like, I don't know if anyone listening has just no experience with it. Like say get therapy, but I always feel like people saying that I'm like, I would have no clue how to, how to get therapy. It, is really difficult like I'm not going to sugarcoat how difficult it is and I'm in a very privileged position to be able to have got the therapy I've had um since I was god how old was I since I was 17 I started having therapy the first place I went to I went by the NHS and it was actually an experimental psychologist's um office and it was very very odd and it was basically where they were testing out new therapy methods on people who didn't want to wait in long waiting lists um and then I kind of put that to one side because I was like, okay, I'm better. Spoiler, no one is ever properly better. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're just not. Like, you can really think you are, and you're just not. Um, and then I went to the uni and was like, I need help. And it wasn't great. Um, obviously, I'm not going to try and deter anyone from going to the university for help, but uni services are often pushed to their absolute limits because they don't always receive enough funding and the NHS and uni areas can be really really difficult as well but I had six weeks with an NHS therapist in my first year 
Um, and she was absolutely lovely. What a woman. So great. But six weeks is not always enough because the first two, you're still trying to work out who this woman is that you're meant to cry on. Um, and so I ended up kind of going through that and being like, okay, I'm done. And then going and getting some private help, which, as I've said, like I'm in a very fortunate position to be able to do. Um, but I found the the woman who I've been seeing now for two years um, I see her on and off I drop her a text normally on a Thursday night after a couple of beers basically just saying could we have an appointment at some point and she goes yep yeah, absolutely um, but the NHS is a lot more difficult but if you get some good help in the NHS like you can get good group therapy you can get good one-on-one -on -one therapies normally a doctor's surgery but it isn't pretty like going into it you do have to rock up and you sit in that reception chair and you feel like everyone knows why you're there and it's horrible mm. but when someone is sat on the other side of the room and everything you're saying makes sense to them and they're able to help you it's really really helpful one thing I will say though is if you have one bad therapist please don't let that spoil it for the rest of them like <laughs> there will be a therapist out there who will be able to help you and it took me a lot of therapists to find one who is absolutely incredible and you know I'm not ill I don't need help all the time but just having someone who you can have those conversations with is really really useful and there are obviously different types of therapy like CBT straight counselling um, the NHS generally offer counselling or CBT um, so yeah like look around google resources in your area go to your doctor ask for help because chances are, yeah, you may wind up on a waiting list, but there will be someone out there who can help you. Um, as well, just on the on the end of that, I just wanted to say that um, in t for the NHS, if people wanted to reach out to the NHS, there is a scheme called Healthy Minds. So uh, I, I think that's, if people aren't sure where to start if they're approaching NHS, that might be a good place to start or to book an appointment with your GP. So thank you. Thank you so much, Emmy, for joining us. I think this was a really, really good discussion and I hope you've enjoyed it. I've loved it. It's been great. I've got to ramble on about Gilmore Girls, about how much I love my therapist, about my diary. <laughs> I mean, it's been great. We offer all kinds of things here. Yeah. <laughs> very eclectic podcast. <laughs> um, so thank you very much for joining us, Emmy, and Thank you to all of our listeners and we'll see you next week.